Well, let's start there. Let us go. <clears throat> hey, everybody. I'm Kyle Rizal. Welcome back to Make Me Smart, where we make today make sense. It is the 28th of June. It is a Wednesday. It is indeed, and I'm Kimberly Adams. Thank you for joining us. We are going to do a simple show today. We're going to get some news and some Make Me Smiles, and uh, then let you be on your Merry Wednesday. Uh, Kai, why don't you go first? Yours is super fascinating. Fascinating and terrifying. So there I am this morning having breakfast, as I usually do. Uh, This morning it was uh, a piece of avocado toast. And and when I have breakfast, for whatever reason, I usually stand over the kitchen sink and I read the news on my phone just because that's the way I am. Anyway, I'm there flipping through my phone and I go to the New York Times and I flip on this article that's the headline of which is something was messing messing with the Earth's Earth's axis. The answer has to do with us. And then I read the article. That's quite. And a I'll tell you what it it, it 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 is a rare rare article in a newspaper that makes me go holy. <laughs> but this one made me go holy. <laughs> so here's the skinny, and then I'll get to the to the to the kicker quote. Around the turn of the millennium, the first paragraph reads, Earth's spin started going off kilter and nobody could say why. Apparently for decades, scientists have been watching the rotational axis of the planet wobble around a little bit away from the geographic North Pole toward Canada. And then suddenly at one point made a sharp turn and heading east. And researchers looked into this and the researchers came up with the realization that what had happened was that um, the speed of glaciers and ice caps melting had changed the way mass is distributed around the planet enough to influence its spin. Let me say that again. The entire planet had been affected physically, like the shape of the planet in space, the orbit of the planet, not the orbit, the rotation of the planet in space had been changed by global warming. And then the next paragraph says, now some of the same scientists have identified another factor that's had the same kind of effect. Colossal quantities of water pumped out of the ground for crops and households. Oh my God. We are literally changing the structure it, of the planet. It, it blew me away. It blew me away. It's, it, it's, oh my God. So first of all, so impressed with the science there. Like, wow. Yeah, for sure. For sure. But that's frightening. <laughs> that's so bad. Right? That's so bad. So we're melting um, the polar ice caps and that's changing things. And then we're using up so much groundwater, pumping it out. Look, as we do here in California, and, and agriculture does everywhere, right? You use groundwater, you pump it yep. out. But, oh, my God. It, it, it absolutely freaked me out. I, it was uh, wild. Yeah. Um, and, 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 I, and I don't know why I made that my news item other than it was really impactful. It's like climate change is physically altering this planet. I mean, we knew that, but you know what I mean. Yeah, it's one thing to know it. It's another thing to know specifically. Like you see the video of like the glaciers falling into the ocean and you talk about often when we talk about global warming, we talk about rising sea levels. We talk about weather. I have never heard anyone mention changing the rotation of the planet. That's a new one for me. I do think that that's worthy of a wow moment. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there you go. Oh, boy. Well. Mine is just economics, (laughs) but okay. Um, The AP did this really nice piece answering or attempting to answer some of the questions that we've posed here on the podcast. It's like, where is this recession that everyone has been predicting 
for like the mm-hmm. last year or so. Mm-hmm. Why hasn't it come yet when all the economic models are like interest rates are going up, we're going to have a recession, people are going to lose their jobs, the economy is going to like eventually have problems because of this extraordinarily rapid increase in rates. Like there's no way we're going to come out of this unscathed. And yet right. – <laughs> As the AP says, the economy keeps managing to grow. I mean, they're pointing to, um, let's see, gas prices have dropped, employers keep hiring, consumers keep spending, grocery prices have leveled off, so Americans have more spending power. So where is this recession? And, and they've talked to a bunch of economists, listened to Jay Powell and a bunch of other folks, and They've come up with sort of like three scenarios. One is that it's a rolling recession. The other one is that it's a rich session. And then the third is that there's just like, maybe we're not going to have a recession after all, right? So the rolling recession is very interesting, which is this idea that since different sectors of the economy are getting hit at different times, the recession is hitting different places And by the Hmm. time one sector recovers, another sector is getting hit and they balance each other out. So the recession Hmm. is happening, but it's happening in different places at different times. And so we don't feel it across the whole economy because they end up balancing each other out, which I think is a really fascinating idea. I I hadn't heard that before. I don't hate that. I I definitely don't hate that for sure. Yeah. And they point to all this evidence, you know, about manufacturing, you know, let's see. So housing industry was the first to suffer a tailspin after the Fed began sending interest rates up um, as mortgage rates doubled. Home sales plunged. They're now 20 percent lower. Manufacturing followed. And while it hasn't fared as badly as housing, factory production is down 0.3 percent from a year earlier. Mm -hmm. The spring technology industry suffered a slump Mm -hmm. at the same time. Consumers ramped up their spending on travel and entertainment venues, buoying the economy's vast service sector and offsetting the difficulties in other sectors. Housing has started to rebound and might help pick up the baton of economic growth, and other sectors are continuing to expand. We're getting all the stimulus in the manufacturing sector. Mm -hmm. So, like, Mm -hmm. they can kind of balance each other out, even if certain sectors feel the recession. The rich Mm -hmm. session Mm -hmm. is also an interesting idea, which is this that a lot of the layoffs we've seen have been in white collar or higher paid jobs where people tend to have a lot of skills. They often have a cushion. They may have a severance package that carries them for Mm -hmm. a while until they get another job. It's relatively easy for these folks to get another job. So if you're a low wage worker and your sector is hit with mass layoffs, you're probably going to immediately end up on food assistance or some other kind of government support because you're immediately effectively destitute, right? But if you're a tech worker who's been making six figures for the last decade, ideally you're going to have some sort of cushion or you can pull out from your retirement or you can take out a home equity loan on the home that you own because you've been rich for a while, you know? So therefore it doesn't have as much of a hit on the economy when wealthier folks lose their jobs than it would if lower income folks lose their jobs, especially if it's not all happening across the entire economy at once. So that's the rich session. And then there's, you know, maybe no recession that, you know, super optimistic folks are like, maybe we are going to get that soft landing because of all those other things. And the fact that hiring has really stayed resilient. Um, I, I wish they'd said more about immigration here. I think the immigration crackdown that Mm -hmm. really started under Trump and has persisted through the Biden administration is playing a huge factor in why why we still have such strong 
jobs numbers because of, you know, the ongoing labor shortages. Mm -hmm. But anyway, Mm -hmm. it's a really interesting piece. It gets into a lot of details about the economy. Super fascinating. So that's item number one. I went on longer about that than I planned to because I really wanted to talk about it. No, I'm I'm glad you did. It it. makes total sense to me. No, I just really like that. And then consumers say strong Mm -hmm. through it all, right? Because it doesn't really show up as this rolling recession goes. It's really interesting. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So the other story that I want to talk about just briefly, I'm sure I'll come back to it another day, but um, in Axios and a bunch of other places today, there's a story about how Costco is going to start more strenuously enforcing its Mm -hmm. uh, checking of people's membership cards so that they can make sure it's actually your card that you're using when you check out because I guess they're having... um, an increase in non-member shoppers using membership cards that do not belong to them since expanding its self-service checkout. You know, following on the heels of Netflix and I'm sure most of the other streaming services and not wanting people to sort of, you know, share accounts. And I get it from an economic perspective, but it's a little frustrating because one of the reasons that these account that this account sharing happens is yes people trying to like live off of their parents largesse and people wanting to be cheap but it's also single people trying to get some of the economic benefits that couples and families get so if you are a family living in the same household you can be six people with a bunch of different accounts and ideas and preferences and still get, you know, the cost of something distributed across those people. But if you're six friends, even if you all want the same thing, if you're not living in the same place, you each have to pay individually for that thing. And it's sort of like the singles tax. And so Mm -hmm. like, it's, I get the economic argument, but it's a little bit frustrating because it's like, why would, why should I have to pay fully for a Costco membership by myself that I'm going to use less than probably a family, but I can't share it with a friend who's in a different household, even though our combined usage of it is going to be probably less than a married couple with kids. Simply because we're not in different households, we are going to effectively pay a singles tax. Don't love it, but um, I also get the economic argument on behalf of these companies. It's just a little frustrating sometimes. It's expensive to be single. Yeah, yeah. And look, you don't have need for a five-gallon jar of mayonnaise. You just don't, right? I mean, I, I <laughs> after I finished my Unless spot really today, like I was mayonnaise. downstairs. I do not, but I was chopping up my costco size bag of onions. And so I oh, my Lord. That <laughs> bought and putting wow. it in the freeze, freezer so that I could food wow. prep because that's what I buy from Costco. <laughs> I do buy yeah. a bunch oh, of onions. Funny. And then I, like, prep them so that I can, like, make them for the next month. But anyway, I pay for my own Costco membership in case anybody's listening. All right. We should probably do some smiles. Let's go. All right. Go ahead. Yeah, I'm hoping you can explain this one to me because I saw it go by (laughs) in the news and I'm like, wait, what? Yeah, it took. I had to read it a couple of times. So, so the headline, and this is the Reuters story about it: South Koreans become a year or two younger as the traditional way of counting age is scrapped. How? Okay. So I'm just gonna read so I don't mess it up. 
Under the age system most commonly used in South Koreans' everyday life, people are deemed to be a year old at birth and a year is added every January 1st, okay? So, mm -hmm. you know, you're one years old and you're born and then you're two and we would say you turn one, whatever. But your year is added on January 1st, not necessarily on your birthday. Gotcha. Now, in since the 1960s, um, the country has used the international norm of calculating birth from zero at birth and adding a year on the birthday for medical and legal documents. But apparently most people were still using the sort of um, traditional way to calculate age in their everyday lives. So you had two different ages, one on like your documents and one that everybody said you were. And so now right. they're shifting everything over to the international norm, which is effectively making people a year or two younger. And there's a video that goes funny. along with this, where this woman's like, yeah, I get to be, you know, now I'm not 30 anymore. And I can go back to being 28. And it'll be nice to, you know, it makes me feel younger. <laughs> Hey, and it's nice it takes, to, right? you know, yeah, you get to have your birthdays again. And so I just thought that was pretty fun. And uh, I would love a, a year or two back. Right. But, um, you know, why not? I thought year, that was interesting. A year or two, a decade or two, you know, whatever it takes. Uh, yeah. Okay, so here's mine. Uh, and it, it has a couple of layers. So first of all, okay. you probably saw in the news this week that President Biden rolled out a big uh, broadband plan, I guess, Monday, Tuesday, whenever that was. Uh, billion dollars out to get broadband out into rural America. He points out, uh, and I uh, echo this sentiment, that, that broadband internet access now really ought to be a utility. It's just necessary to daily life. And so he's going to spend a bunch of money on doing that. Of course, that money comes from the infrastructure bill from uh, some time ago, uh, which I will point out here that Alabama Republican Senator Tommy Tuberville <laughs> voted against. So Tommy Tuberville tweeted this morning, or yesterday, sorry, tweeted yesterday. Broadband is vital for the success of our rural communities and for our entire economy. Great to see Alabama receive such crucial funds to boost ongoing broadband efforts. Now, there is nothing new about senators who vote against something claiming credit for it when it finally runs out. Republicans or Democrats, uh -huh. fine. I get that. That's part of the game. But I want to give a shout out to whatever 20 or 30 something is running President Biden's social media platforms, because on Twitter today, they took Tuberville's tweet and retweeted and said, see you at the groundbreaking. And I'm just like, oh, snap. Because you know he's going to be there. And, and, and I, you know, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see whether or not Biden actually says something about it then. But, but it was just it may, literally, okay, I was at a traffic light. I was checking my phone. Don't at me. I was stopped. Right? Uh, and I laughed out loud. So there you go. I know, I know, I know. But I was stopped. Okay. Anyway, that's me. That's my smile. <laughs> That uh, is pretty people funny. People are going to yell at me. People are going to yell at yes, me. Yes, they are. All right. We, they are. We, and probably rightly so. We are yeah. done for today. Back tomorrow. Till then, though, keep sending us your comments and your questions. I almost said we're going to have beer tomorrow on the show, but we're not because tomorrow's only Thursday. It sadly. feels like uh, it should doesn't be it, though? Friday doesn't tomorrow. It, though? it really does. I've been does. a day ahead all week. 508 You Be Smart is how you get a hold of us. Write us at makemesmart at marketplace.org. We'll read them and maybe get them on the air. I feel like I should have made some kind of joke about like going back a day or two, like a year or two. Like oh, that, oh, that was great. Right. I, I couldn't do it. Make Me Smart is produced by Courtney Bergseeker. Ellen Rolfus writes our newsletter. Today's program was engineered by Jake Cherry. Our intern is Neela Farshabandi. 
Ben Talladay and Daniel Ramirez composed our theme music. Our senior producer is Marissa Cabrera. Bridget Bodner is the director of podcast. Francesca Levy is the executive director of digital at Marketplace Worldwide Production Headquarters. Or something. Or something. We all want to be our best selves, but it can be an expensive journey. From experimenting with alternative medicine... I was working with a natural, holistic nutritionist and never really thought about the cost. To splurging on fast fashion. I'm spending like all my tips. I was definitely spending like $200 a week. I'm Rima Hreis, host of Marketplace's This Is Uncomfortable. This season, we explore the cost of self-care and the real motivations behind our spending choices. Listen to This Is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcasts.